Hello and welcome to the Aware Parenting Stories podcast. My name is Joss Golden and I'm so happy that you're here. In this podcast series, I interview people who are passionate about parenting. We talk about many things to do with parenting and motherhood and explore the joys and challenges that we all face in our families. The aim of the podcast is to share more about aware parenting, to inspire us all on our parenting adventures, and to support us all to raise our children with more awareness, connection, and love. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Aware Parenting Stories podcast, the last episode for the year. And so I'm very delighted to have my beautiful friend and colleague, Danny Willow, join us again. Thanks, Danny. Oh, thanks for having me. I can't believe it's the last one for the year. It feels like it was just gone so fast, hasn't it? It has. It's been amazing. And we've had so many beautiful conversations this year. So mm-hmm. we were just talking about all our plans for some more beautiful conversations for next year. So, But as you can see from the title today, we're going to be talking about holidays, navigating, well, in the run up now to Christmas. So particularly mm-hmm. things around Christmas, but just generally how to bring more ease and joy and thriving to what can often be a really stressful time. And this comes up quite often in sessions with people and in posts on Facebook, but also in our community as well. And so there's lots of aspects to it. So should we start off by talking a bit about the the stresses of the whole period and how, I mean, partly, of course, because it's the end of the year, lots of people are really exhausted after a big year. And of course, all the things that are going on in the world at the moment, that's very overwhelming and devastating for lots of people. But Christmas and the holiday time is often really, really stressful, particularly like if your kids are at school and they're coming out of school and they're exhausted. And then you've got all that time together that you're not necessarily used to being together that much. And yeah, talking about that sort of gendered division of labor and how, I mean, this is a generalization, but it is often a time where so much unnoticed work falls to the mother in the family around choosing presents, buying presents, uh, organizing get-togethers with other family, managing food, doing laundry, listening to feelings, meeting needs, you know, all the different things that we do anyway. And it seems to be even more ramped up and even more falling to mothers usually at this time of year. So it's inevitably going to be a time of big feelings for everybody. Mm, As I'm listening to you rattle off that list, I'm like, it's just so much, right? We're just not designed to live in such isolated nuclear homes. It's just so, yeah, it's so intense. But yeah, I think that, you know, I feel that sense, that collective energy at the moment of just busyness. You can see like the supermarkets are very busy, even like our little local town, which is pretty low key, like school holidays have ended. So there's like loads of people in it. And there's that sense of like people rushing around. And I think that's, you know, what happens around this time that there's this ex- a certain set of expectations that we kind of have in society around what Christmas needs to look like and what needs to be perfect and it needs to be beautiful for our children and the tree and setting it up and you know or even just birthdays and what that looks like or any sort of celebrations that we're having at this time of the year there is a lot of expectation and an expectation comes with a lot of stress it comes with a lot of often those expectations not being met Uh, often our children not you know maybe behaving in the way that we want them to and yeah often it all does fall on you know the mothers of the home and you know it's interesting as I'm listening to other people speak like a lot of the mothers that I've been supporting have started to say like the grandparents are now saying well you're like 
we're getting older now, so you kind of need to do Christmas. And so it's shifting, right? You know, for, for many years we've kind of been, you know, going maybe going to their place for lunch or and all of a sudden it's moving to, you know, these these mums with, you know, young families with children having to host Christmas, which is huge. It's such a big thing on top of, you know, that huge list that you just spoke about, such as listening to feelings and doing the play and setting everything up and managing expectations. And, you know, some partners are still working during this time or co-parents are working. And so often it does all fall on the mother. And it's just an exhausting experience at times. And it can be really joyful. But I think a lot, the range of emotions that can come out you know, often we think it's going to be this amazing, really joyful, happy, you know, loving, connected sort of experience. And often it's quite the opposite. It's like, you know, we might be really activated by our family members. We, You know, they might be saying things to our children that are really uncomfortable. Then, you know, the people might putting their kids on screens. Maybe you don't put your kids on screen. So I just think there's lots and lots of things that can happen over this period um, that often make us you know, feel a bit disconnected and sort of, you know, come to that space where maybe it's just not what we thought it would be. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) God, it's so hard, isn't it? And you think the pace of life and all of that pressure and all of that stuff around expectations is so not conducive for aware parenting because really when we're trying to parent our children in this way, we need to slow down and tune in to them and what's going on for them and we need to take time to tend to ourselves and to get listening for us. And all of that falls by the wayside when you're rushing around, particularly if you're meeting lots of different people's needs. And as you're saying that full range of emotions, I'm thinking, yeah, it really is a time of the full spectrum of emotions for us and our children. And sometimes those expectations that it's going to be this wonderful, joyful, fabulous family time can get thwarted and we can feel really quite disappointed and and lots of big feelings around that too, because we've put in so much work to make it this beautiful occasion to be together. And when it doesn't turn out that way or when there's lots of big feelings there from other people and our children and other people in the family then yeah it's really often the case that there's lots of big feelings for us of anger and rage and overwhelm and resentment and sadness and and grief and and you know we'll talk more later on I know about like our younger parts and the stuff that comes up there but it can be so difficult. And sometimes just being together with other people in our families can be really activating for us. And it might be around people in our families doing things very differently. So perhaps our siblings raise their children in a very different way. And so we're having to see that quite sort of authoritarian or very permissive parenting going on. Perhaps there's lots of differences around food and we're going in and spending time with families whose children eat all kinds of different junk food that we tend to not want to bring into our homes, but then our children have all this access to or stuff around screens or stuff around presents and how many presents the children are getting. And, you know, maybe we're spending time with siblings who give their children huge number of presents and we just want to give them a few. But, you know, there's so many times where that is going to bring up challenge and stress for us in our family. So, yeah, it's it's not surprising that it's a really, really tricky time. 
Yeah, I think that expectation leads to us, you know, if we are aware parenting to sort of maybe take a step back as we're coming into this period and maybe our invitation here is to sort of spend a moment connecting in with your partner or, you know, someone close to you, a listening partner and have a conversation around like, well, what what are my limits or what are my boundaries around what I kind of am willing to sort of you know, have conversations with family about that is not enjoyable or what I'm actually willing to sort of let go and just release and surrender to the experience. And it can be really, as you said, like really activating when we see things going on or, you know, um, our our parents acting in ways that remind us of, you know, our own inner parts, which we'll speak about soon. But I think it's nice to sort of sit down and spend a bit of time, I suppose, you know, journaling or just contemplating, sharing and, you know, unpacking, like, how do we want it to feel? What are we going to do when, you know, our three-year-old daughter has a meltdown and it doesn't feel good to do it in front of the family? Like, how are we going to manage that? Or what happens if, you know, someone does offer them lollies and we don't usually have lollies? Are we going to surrender? So I think having these conversations beforehand and almost preempting worst case scenarios can be really powerful because then we come in really empowered and really embodied and actually don't get so activated in those moments and of course we can't preempt every single scenario that's going to happen but you know if we've been doing it for a while we can kind of see the core themes that might be arising and be able to sort of unpack and sort of talk about what that means for us and and what what are our values as a family and what do we want our children to know and you know someone in our beautiful community was sort of sharing that you know they actually going to do some really low-key things together as a family in between the big key you know the big events because that feels really good to them so I think it's nice to be able to share and connect a little bit about what you really want it to look like and and knowing what our children are like and how they respond as well I think so important to just tune in a little bit beforehand before we move into those big family events yeah Absolutely. Yeah. And anticipating that's so helpful, isn't it? Because we know that, for example, that might come up that our parents might speak to our children in a way that we really don't like or might behave towards them in a way that we really don't enjoy. And yeah, that's often really difficult for us because that might touch younger parts of us where we experienced that from our parents when we were younger too. And so having spaces to go and share. And I mean, this is what always where parenting comes back to, isn't it? Having spaces to go and share, to get listening, to talk through what's coming up for us really supports us to get so clear about what what we're willing for for our children and what we're not willing for. And to then be able to say in ways that are, are loving and kind and offering, it's almost like offering loving limits to our parents around their behavior or it could be yeah something around what they want to give to your children for christmas or you know whatever it might be but finding ways to say that and often it's things like the expectations when we're with people from an older generation for whom children did what they were told and that the adult knows best and that the adult matters most and so for example things like always giving a hug to your grandma even if your child doesn't want to do that, in that generation, you would have just done it because that's what was expected of you. And you probably would have been punished if you didn't do that. But we're trying to raise our children really differently around, you know, much more understanding about tuning into what they're feeling in in relation to others and really understanding that they have autonomy and they around consent, around what they do and, and who they hug and all that kind of stuff. So often that brings up 
big stuff in the family. And those are really beautiful opportunities for us to get clear about that beforehand so that in the moment, we can actually explain that, you know, do you want to give grandma a hug? And and if the answer is no, can we say she doesn't feel like hugging you? And and we're really, really trying to honor her tuning into that because we know that that is what is going to keep her safe in the future around what behavior she's willing to accept from others and not. And, you know, what would you like to do instead? Would you like to, you know, I don't know, make up a, a crazy handshake with grandma? And that is actually a really lovely connecting thing that they could do together. So often it's like anticipating that those things are coming and finding ways to support our children where our children feel like we've got their backs and actually that for us, their feelings matter more than whether we're going to offend grandma. And of course, we can listen to grandma if she's got some feelings about it. But our our priority is to be our child's support and our child's ally in that. Mm, I love that. And I think it's the, the key part to all of that, I think, is really getting the support and listening beforehand to be able to stand in our power in those moments where you know they are doing things that don't feel good or we do really want to be out our children's ally we want to stand next to them and sort of really um, support them with their yeses and their noes and what they want to do and what's feeling good and you know I, I mean in multiple family scenarios I just remember Marley you know she would like hide she would like put her head you know um, to the side and she didn't really want to look at anyone and you know everyone would be like, oh Marley you know in her face about it before I kind of really stood up and you know had to unpack that a lot for me but then coming to that place of sort of saying she's just not ready to say hi at the moment if you give her some space she will when she's ready you know and really being like you don't have to do anything you don't want to do sweetheart and if you want to sit on my lap that's okay and when you feel ready I know that you'll go and do what you need to do and I think there's something really empowering around you know watching these scenarios play out and I think that there's something really empowering about being able to support our children with that and sort of showing up for them in this way and the only way we can do that is if we start to show up for ourselves and we start to listen to all of the painful parts about maybe what what went on for us around Christmas or any other celebration, you know, if we don't celebrate Christmas, just any other time where we gathered together as a family, what went on, really thinking about what didn't I enjoy as a kid, what didn't feel good, so that when we go through these similar experiences with our children that we do get this opportunity to kind of support them through that and let them, you know, be deeply connected to what feels good and what doesn't. Yeah, I love that. But it requires quite a lot of us, doesn't it, to do that work, to to unpack those pieces and to get clear about that and what we wanted to be different in order to come back to that trust that it's actually okay and and to be able to have spaces to take the fears and worries that come up for us. You know, if we walk into a room and our child does sort of curl into us and not want to engage and people are saying, oh, come on, come on, it does require us to do some work for ourselves that the for the parts of us that are thinking oh maybe they're always going to be too shy to talk to people or you know but to really trust that actually know that all that they need in that moment is our love and support and they will come to things when they're ready and we can really trust that that doesn't mean anything terrible or that there's anything wrong with our child it just means that they need our loving support and yeah so we need those spaces to be able to go and take those fears and worries for ourselves so that we can come back to just seeing our beautiful child being themselves and and to know that that's okay yeah that is the most important part isn't it like it's really hard to sort of 
see them in what they're experiencing if we're being activated into our stuff around what we experienced around family gatherings. Like it's just, you know, it's as we always say, it's a parallel journey. So the more we have time and space to sort of unpack it, to feel it, to then sort of look at how we want it to be and how we want to show up in those moments and then actually being able to show up, show up in those moments is it's kind of a work in progress because if I think about you know some of the family gatherings I had maybe when I first started aware parenting there were definitely times where I sat frozen and wasn't able to say really what I wanted to say and carried quite a lot of shame and guilt around that like oh I really should have you know honored Marley's no there or you know she was having she I could see she was going into a meltdown but I just distracted her because it didn't feel safe, like, you know, those sort of things. And then it's kind of like dipping your toe in, you know, you might just do one small thing this time. So I remember at one particular, you know, and this wasn't a big family gathering, but we were at my parents' house and, you know, my, my dad always likes to put French toast and Marley had accidentally shaped the um put like the cinnamon and sugar onto the toast and she'd used the wrong side. It was like a shaker on one side and a full opening on the other. And he was like, wow, you've just, you've used the wrong side. And he just got so worked up. And I remember I'd done a lot, a lot of like feeling into my stuff and what it could be be like to say something to him in that moment, you know, what, and, and I just kind of looked at him and saw him as the child he was. And I just put my hand on his arm and I said, it's, it's actually okay, dad. I can actually fix it. It's okay. Uh, I can see that it's a bit hard for you. I'm happy to step in and I can do it. You know, we just got a little bit of paper and shoved it all in there and then kind of put it, he didn't have a funnel, so just kind of put it back into the thing. And I think just by doing that, he kind of stepped away for a little bit and then he came back to Marley and he said, it's it's, it's okay, it wasn't really such a big deal. And there was something shifted in that moment and I didn't have to go into the whole like, oh, you know, you've been angry and we're not going to put up with anger, although there are times where I have had to set limits and say to him, like, if you're going to be angry, we're not going to come to family things anymore because that just doesn't feel good for anyone. But, you know, that was just the beginning. Like it was very gentle and it was very compassionate to what he was kind of experiencing but also setting a limit around how we're going to speak to each other and, you know, when people make mistakes. So I think it's it's definitely doable and it is that we can show up but it takes a lot of practice out and, and um, sort of really feeling into what's going to be coming up for us and what does come up for us so that we can really show up in these really beautiful ways for our children. Children. Yeah, totally. I mean, I, uh, I was listening to you speaking there, and it was reminding me of the first time that I did that, offered that to my mum, and I remember she had got really angry about something, angry at herself. And in the past, that would have really activated me. Her whole response would have really activated me, and I would have just been really annoyed with her to speak like that and to to get out, have an outburst over something so seemingly small. She had a bit of a broken cookie moment, and it was like the first time that I'd really realized that. And I was able to just tend to myself for a second, just with a bit of love and support, and then to to offer love to her. And I remember just saying to her, "Oh, mom, I know you really." really upset aren't you you're really bothered by that I really know how important that is to you it's all right I, I love you it's going to be okay and it just completely shifted everything and I was like oh my god that's amazing that I can actually do that after doing that with my children for so many years I was able to start doing it for my mum but it is a long process to get to that point isn't it but just gentle you know baby steps can be really really profound in our relationship with our parents and I think the key thing is for us to be getting support and listening and to be able to have spaces where we can go and 
share whatever's coming up for us so that we can increasingly be able to offer that kind of kindness to other people. Mm. I really love that story about your mum. That's so beautiful that you were able to, yeah, really compassionately show up for her in that way. And yeah, I think it does, it is a little bit about, you know, we practice this with our children and then it starts to ripple to all the other people in our lives and so it is a little bit about really switching on almost that aware parenting lens and seeing people the way that they're behaving can often be a generational thing they can be you know activated into younger parts of themselves and it's you know they're part of it is like you say it's like we can actually show up in these ways but you know we really need to spend a lot of time doing our own sort of inner inner understandings and listening to ourselves and having space to be heard so that we can show up in that way, which is just so, so beautiful that you could offer her that. Yeah. Yeah, really. It was really beautiful. I mean, I wonder if it's, it's helpful to talk a bit more then about the kind of feelings that can come up that are really painful for us and our children at Christmas time. And I mean, we have spoken a bit about slowing down and expectations and dropping the shoulds, but it can often be a time where we feel lots of painful things in relation to our families. Perhaps we are really missing people in our families. Maybe we're not spending time together with people who we love, or maybe we've lost people who we love and they're not part of the family gathering. And so that might be really so acutely felt at Christmas time. It might be that we're a long way away from our family, so we don't get that time. There might be lots of feelings, like we said at the beginning, around expectations and thwarted hopes and disappointment for things not quite working out the way we want them to. And so, yeah, there's lots of there's lots of ways that there are painful feelings there. And I think that maybe we might feel that everybody else is having a wonderful time and we're not. We might be comparing our family to other people's or comparing what our Christmas is compared to what we would have hoped it might be. So there's lots of ways that it can feel really painful and really, you know, lots of lots of t- big feelings there. So mm-hmm. as always with aware parenting, you know, just getting getting spaces to share those and and not forcing ourselves to push through and to deny those feelings, to hold it all together so that we can have a wonderful Christmas, but actually having spaces where we can authentically share all of that painful stuff that comes up for that for us and have that heard and have that met with unconditional love just can really transform the whole experience. And I think naturally, like, you know, the societal pressure for it to look, you know, holidays and Christmas and gatherings to to look and feel a particular way, our children sense into that energy and often that's when they are like they feel that underlying sort of stress and overwhelm that we might be feeling. And so naturally then we're disconnected from them, which then often does lead to them acting and and moving into their own feelings. And, you know, I know multiple times where I've been like, you know, it's, it's one of their birthdays or, you know, I remember when Marley was younger and it was her birthday and we all went to sing happy birthday and she started crying. She didn't want us to sing happy birthday. And I remember feeling so annoyed about that. Like, why would you not want us to sing happy birthday? But honoring that's what she wanted. And, you know, now having a different understanding of that or, you know, thinking that one night was going to be amazing and then getting to the night and it was, you know, lots of feelings and, you know, lots of things happening making me feel really unhappy and just sort of feeling a bit disappointed and sad and a bit maybe even loneliness creeping in around it like not being able to share that with anyone or that experience so I think 
you know, it brings up so much and, and it is a lot about acknowledging that and not suppressing that and just being with what it is. And I think another thing that it can bring up is, you know, it can bring up a lot of financial stress, which can, can cause conflict in families, right? You know, if we if we've all... If X, you know, if our certain family members are spending X amount of money and, you know, we feel like we have to match that and, you know, it's, it's a hard time for people at the moment. So, you know, I think there's a lot of needing to soften expectations and really surrender to the experience of whatever is happening to almost go in with no expectations or sometimes it's easier to go in with the worst expectations because then you kind of, you know, you're not going to be disappointed. And if there are beautiful moments, there are beautiful moments. And if there aren't, that's also okay. I think it's starting to have conversations that it doesn't need to be the perfect Christmas. And, you know, my girls are watching all these Christmas movies and in a lot of them it is like these beautiful trees and these families and the carols and this and that. And, you know, so it does. It kind of sets an expectation of what it's going to look and what it's going to feel like. But I think the beautiful thing is if we start to really reclaim that and kind of go, actually, this is what our family does and this is what it looks like and this is what it means for us. And it's less about this idea of like giving presence to each other but more about being present with one another and you know that's something I say to my girls all the time that it's not about the presence that we're receiving but it's about being present and you know some of these family members aren't going to be alive you know for much longer or for you know long periods of their life right so it, it is just about being together and we can create beautiful rituals around that and maybe it's everyone brings something to share so that the burden on the mother isn't so high if we're hosting or even the grandparents or the cousins or the auntie it's about coming together and I think if we can have those conversations with our family it can make it feel really nice and enjoyable even lightening the load a bit and the financial pressure but you know it's all it's all about really communication isn't it and really talking about what's happening for us yeah absolutely and and as you were speaking there about all those big feelings and all those possibilities for situations to arrive that would create big feelings for us. I'm thinking as well about our children and all the big feelings that they're going to have at this time. And it's really likely, I think it's really helpful actually to anticipate that our children are going to have big feelings over the Christmas period or, or over any holiday period. And it's likely if we're busy and have been rushing around that maybe we haven't been listening as much as we would normally. Maybe we haven't been offering as much attachment play as we normally would. Maybe we're just burnt out. And so we haven't been meeting their needs in the way that we normally would. And so all of that is likely to mean that our children are going to have accumulated feelings. And it's also likely, given the experiences that they're going to be having, going into big family gatherings and, and all the rest of it, that there's going to be times when they're going to be overwhelmed by situations in the present that also create big feelings for them. So really that same sense of acknowledgement and being with and surrendering to to the big feelings that are there and offering our children listening and support around it is such a big part of it even though we are often exhausted and finding it really really hard to do that but still i think any any way that we can bring in a little bit of extra connection for our children a little bit more sort of expecting that this is going to be the case that their needs are going to be slightly higher than normal for that kind of quality connection and, and loving play 
if we can bring in like just five minutes of special time before we're going to a family gathering or offer you know love, loving limits and do that when we come home from a gathering or you know, whatever it might be, but just trying to find small ways to bring that connection and that compassion that are both so key and fundamental in aware parenting to our children as much as we possibly can during the holidays. And also to be accepting that we can't, you know, there are times when we're also going to be feeling because we've got all these big feelings at this time too, that maybe we just can't do that. And then we just go kind of into survival mode and, and trust that we'll get back on track when things calm down a bit. Yeah, I love everything you shared there, especially the part about the connection and special time prior to the events. Like, I think that's so powerful. You know, maybe if we have been busy rushing around, getting everyone dressed, making a meal, doing all the things to like almost plan in this time to like, okay, put everything away for a minute and let's just spend five, 10 minutes doing some power reversal play or, you know, doing some contingency play or doing some symbolic play about what we might think might happen. You know, how do you feel about grandma if she, you know, if you don't want to give her a hug or whatever it is, just really, you know, offering that connection. I think that's really powerful. The other thing I was thinking, you know, um, as you were sort of sharing about, yeah, they're going to have big emotions is naturally, you know, these holidays, uh, we've just, most kids are just finishing school. So they're totally coming out of having to hold it all together for the last couple of weeks. And then we move into like these big family gatherings. And it's just, you know, naturally, we know with children that after being at school for multiple weeks and being exhausted and adult, you know, adults, you know, being in control and all those things that they move into places where it, it doesn't feel so good. And, and so they, you know, I, I think that these, when we come into family gatherings after the school term we really move they move into places where they they need to decompress and there's lots and lots of feelings just you know normally so of course that means that when we have to go to things like this you know they may not behave in ways that we want them to and do things that we want them to and they might have bigger feelings about things than they normally would and just to hold that compassion for where they are in this moment I think that's really you know, an important point to acknowledge as well. And I think, it, you know, I was thinking as you're also sharing, like it would be interesting to hear how for you, from your perspective just over the, over the years how it's been different as they've gotten older and gone through like, you know, the pre-teens to the teens to having older children and how what that looks like, you know. Obviously a lot of your family is overseas, but when you have done big gatherings together or anything like that, how has it sort of felt for you and how's it shifted, you know, to having little people to then having, you know, older children? Well, I think it's, I mean, it's so much easier as your kids get older in a lot of ways because, well, for obvious reasons, <laughs> they're, they're able to do so much more for themselves and they're able to release feelings in all kinds of different ways, not just through having a tantrum on grandma's floor. So in a lot of ways, it does get easier. But I, I loved what you were saying about some of the games that you can play and particularly around their feelings about their the other people in the family. And I remember my kids used to play this really lovely game about my dad because my dad tended to at times speak in a way that left us feeling a little bit judged about some of the decisions that we'd made around homeschooling and so on. And sometimes he would say things to the kids and like test them, like test them about the times tables or whatever in, in a kind of pretending to be subtle, but really unsubtle way. And so my kids just spontaneously started playing this game where they would, before we saw them, they would pretend to be my my father. And so they would like, because my dad wears his trousers up quite high, you know, that old man high trousers thing. So we used to tease him about be, being high pants. But 
you know, my son would like pull his pants right up under his under his uh, armpits and would walk around pretending to be my dad and sort of talking in a funny voice and comparing my children to my brother's children in joking ways and so on. So, yeah, those were really, really helpful games over the years to to take the charge out. And what I also really noticed is that as my children got older, it became clearer and clearer to me that they had so many less feelings about being with family than I had about being with family. So even if we were in these big gathers and they experienced, they were on the receiving end of, of things that, that I felt uncomfortable about, often my kids didn't even notice. They were barely even like, that's not a thing. Why is that a big deal, mum? And so it was much more about my feelings, as usual with aware parenting, and things that didn't really bother them that much at all. But I think it was really helpful just to keep coming back whatever age your children are to that understanding about you know that children always have a legitimate reason for behaving the way that they're behaving and that's true whether they're toddlers or, or teenagers and now I think as a family we just really love getting together at Christmas because it's one of the times of year where we are all together and my son comes home and we just do we've got this real less is more kind of value in the family around doing stuff partly because we don't have extended family nearby but we just have this really beautiful day we go to get up super early and go to the beach before anybody else is awake and we have this lovely time at the beach where we basically have the whole beach to ourselves and then we just come home and have this really gentle day nice food a few presents but nothing too ott and and just hang out and be together and that's really really nice and and I loved what you were saying before about bringing in our values and our meaning because this is another thing that often comes up with uh, lots of people around aware parenting yeah how do we navigate what what we want Christmas to be what we want it to look like and what we want to share with our children around some of the the myths and some of the stories around Christmas and also for us, I often felt like the commercialization of Christmas was really just didn't sit with us at all. And the same with my partner. And so, you know, just just not getting sucked into that and instead making really deliberate choices about what we were going to buy and buying local things. And we had a year where we all of the gifts came from the op shop and that kind of thing. So finding ways to bring some magic and some ceremony and some ritual to the family in a way that makes sense to you. And again, that's much easier when the children are older and they understand about Santa Claus and all that kind of stuff. And, and when they're little, it's 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 a tricky one to navigate, isn't it? I'd love to hear how you do it with your young ones. I think, yeah, I mean, for us, we have a lunch with my best friend and her kids and so they come up and they stay here with us and we it's just a beautiful time for us to all be together because we don't spend a lot of time together so it's kind of like cousins they're kind of our we don't have a lot of family here either so it's kind of our cousins we have over the years we've always kind of had like a bit of a low-key Christmas lunch and we didn't have grandparents living here, but we had this family who kind of adopted our family. And so we used to go to them and they did like the full thing. They were amazing cooks and they did like, you know, the pig on the spit or just something huge. Like it was always really, really big, but it was really always just about coming together and, you know, doing the Christmas crackers. But you know, we got a little gift, but it wasn't really about the gift. You know, I don't remember any of the gifts we received, but it was more just this time for, yeah, the adults drank a lot of wine. I do remember that. 
But it was just a time for us to play together and we'd, you know, play that tent. We'd play tennis out the back. They had one of those sticks in the ground with the the, thing, the ball that went round and round. So we'd play that and they had dogs and there were no other kids. It was just my sister and I and lots of, you know, they were probably teenagers or in their early 20s, but just a place to come together. And I think that that's kind of what stuck with me when it comes to any sort of family gathering or tradition. It's just about being together as a family and being able to celebrate whatever it is that we're choosing to celebrate and you know I always love to light a candle and create like a beautiful table that's you know my ritual I suppose so whether that's Christmas or anything else that we're celebrating I love to kind of decorate it and have flowers and bring nature in and you know if it's during the spring I love to have the flowers there and if it's during the autumn I love to have you know the leaves there and really just to a bit similar to you you know a lot of time out in nature a lot of time just sort of rather being present together than worrying about the presence and yeah of course like they get something little but we don't do like a Santa's list and a you know go and elf on the shelf and all those sort of things we just really stick to what's true for our family a bit like the birthday gatherings you know when I set up a beautiful altar for their birthdays and put a photo of them and you know I like to put a family photo on the Christmas table like just celebrating I suppose more the family than we are actually yeah, the religious sort of the religiousy aspect of it, if that makes sense. But yeah. I love what you shared about your kids and the teenagers, and and then as they get older and what it is now. And I think it's so beautiful. And to shop in the op shop and shopping locally. I mean, I think all those things are really important when we're you know when we're trying to be really intentional with what we're teaching our children. And you know, so they don't think that they're always going to get these really extravagant things. You know, if you get them an Xbox one year, what's going to happen the next year? It just we get into this. I suppose this space of trying to outdo and outdo and outdo and the reality is none of those things really make them happy anyway having that shopping control pattern myself over the years like you know it makes you happy for a little bit and then the next thing's needed to make you happy so I think we're setting up really beautiful imprints and and belief systems with our children when we you know really choose to shop local and and give back you know often it's a beautiful time to go and volunteer like I said to the girls it would be amazing this year if we can find somewhere to go and volunteer over the next couple of weeks and give back and and donate like we went through a playroom and we put together a whole lot of toys and donated it to the op shop just the other day because we know people are going to be needing to buy presents for their kids and that people are doing it tough so I think all of those things all of those are way more important for for me than having the big Christmas tree and all that stuff we don't really do any of that oh lovely yeah it's so beautiful and I mean it's that real cliche but it's so true isn't it that it's about Christmas presents as in connection and presents rather than presents with a T it's just yeah so beautiful and it's hard though isn't it because often we are shooting ourselves that or oh, we should be doing more or we should be giving more or we should be and there's this whole thing around you know you're either fully into the whole craziness of christmas or you're some kind of grinchy miserable kind of anti christmas but i love that sense of you having really just tuned into what what has meaning and purpose for you in your family and and bringing more of that to to the celebration rather than just doing what is expected of you and what is or what or what you received maybe so yeah it's really beautiful i think the other thing i'd love to talk about briefly i know we're coming to the end now but around is around self care and how important that is at this time for for us and for everybody in the family 
And, you know, as we was we were talking before we started recording about how, you know, that's something that we have to keep coming back to remembering and, and bringing into our lives really deliberately, it's reminding us again and again that we want to be bringing more of this in. And I just think it's really important to counter some of the craziness with deliberate moments of stillness and peace and calm and relaxation, whatever that might look like. And, you know, when, when you were talking, it's the same for me, like lots of time in nature. Lots of downtime and quiet time at home. Lots of you know doing those sort of rituals of self care that we bring into the family. That might be, I mean, for me, I have like this beautiful rock near my near our dam where I go and sit and drink tea. So making sure I do more of that at, at crazy, busy, hectic times. I just had a massage this morning, which I haven't done for months, and it was amazing. I'm like, right, I've got to do that more often. I really, really want to. So. Yeah, bringing in more of that deliberate care for ourselves, that things that take our nervous system out of that kind of fraught overwhelm and and back into that calm and balance and so on. Are there any practices that you do around that, particularly at Christmas? Mm. No, I don't think there's anything specific, but I think there's a lot, a lot. I mean, I just find for me, I mean, if I'm going to give to the girls and I'm going to show up for them in ways that feel really good, I mean, you know, Whenever I know that I'm going to be spending time around my family, I will always try and get out into nature beforehand because I think that is really grounding. And like you said, just taking lots of moments of slow breaths, of just sitting back, of just observing everyone, like it's nice to just sit back and observe, often like just making a cup of tea and just actually drinking it while it's hot and just really being with that cup of tea, you know, really tasting the flavours and the textures the smell, those sort of things to just bring me back into what's happening in this moment. And I think the other part of the self-care is just spending a lot of time unpacking what actually occurred that didn't feel good either. Like we sort of spoke about at the start, like having sessions and, you know, whatever I need to do, meditating and dancing and, you know, shaking it out. But, yeah, I think it does we have to be intentional, even more intentional during the season where it's really busy because things just, we just get caught up into, you know, into life and, you know, doing things for other people and, and making sure everything feels really good. And so, of course, you know, that's going to, we're going to let that, the self-care slip a little bit. And so mm. I think that it's really important to just remind ourselves very gently, you know, where can I offer more a little bit of self-care here today? What could I do today to really support me? And it doesn't have to be grand things. It would be lovely to, you know, go and get your nails done if that's what you enjoy or go and have your hair done or have a massage or sit in a circle or go to a sound healing or, you know, do the grander things. But, you know, sometimes what self-care looks like is having a bath or it might be going, yeah, going for a walk, putting your feet on the grass, reading a book, doing, you know, for me, self-care can even be paint, doing some watercolour painting and inviting the girls to come do it with me. It might be lighting some candles and saying a prayer. It might be doing some self-journal, you know, journaling and self-reflection. So I think these are all things that we can weave into our day closing my eyes and having a nap if that's what's needed, like really honouring what, what I need in these moments and trying to connect in a bit more with what's happening for me. So I think all of those things are really just beautiful places and ideas and ways that we can sort of support ourselves. Yeah, beautiful. I think that's really important, isn't it? Just to remember to weave in those moments, those little moments of self-care and giving ourselves permission really to to do that, particularly at times of heightened stress. 
The other thing we were just going to speak about briefly was around Santa and the meanings of Father Christmas and Santa and how to navigate all that in your family. And that often is it's difficult for people, isn't it? Because they want to, I mean, we're surrounded by it, first of all, and finding ways to do that that resonate. So it could be the tooth fairy. It could be, you know, anything to do with those sorts of myths and so on. Well, I'll just share what happened to us because we had, we told our kids, well, we had Father Christmas was part of our life when the kids were little. And then when Sol was three and Jada was one, we went to stay at a friend's house for Christmas and we put up a tree and we put all the presents underneath and Christmas morning, Sol wakes up and he's like really excited. And I said, yeah, you go to to the Christmas tree, whatever. And he ran off to the Christmas tree and he came back and he went, Father Christmas doesn't exist. And I was like, what? What do you mean? And he said, well, there's no extra presence under the tree. So he obviously doesn't exist. It's obviously not real. And so I was like, no. And then we had the whole conversation about that. And then he ended up telling Jada because he thought it was his duty to make sure that she wasn't lied to in the way that he had been. But it's really hard to navigate that one, isn't it? Because we want it to be magical and precious and, and lovely. But we also don't want to lie to our kids. Um, so h- how is that for you? How did you navigate all that? Oh, I'm laughing because it's so funny. And it's a question that gets asked so many times, like what, you know, in the Facebook group, like what should we do and you know, what's the belief? And I think really what it comes down to is what do you believe as a family? And what do you want your children to know? And you know, part of me does believe in fairies. Like I, I love the magic of that, the idea that there's these, these mystical beings out there. I mean, part of me goes, that's, you know, is it really true? I don't know. But like I, I do like to believe that there's something else out there. But I think when it comes to something like Santa, you know, Marley and I had a conversation and I and I said, she said to me, is Santa real? And I said to her, well, what do you think? And she said, I don't I don't know. I don't think so. And I'm like, well, why do you why don't you think so? And she's like, well, I just don't think a man would come down the chimney. And I don't know how I feel about him <laughs> coming down the chimney. And we don't have a chimney, right? So these are all the things that make me go, like, could this be very possible? And it doesn't feel like it's possible. And I'm like, sweetheart, you're very right. It's not. And I said to her, but the thing about Santa is he's magical. And I read this really beautiful post. I don't know where I read it, but it was recent about how a son came to a father and said, you know, is Santa real? And and he said, and he was older, he was like 13, you know, 14. He's like all those years and, he, you know, you're lying to us or whatever. And he said to him, I wasn't lying to you. I was Santa and I and the magic of Santa lay in me giving you these presents without needing to receive anything from you except the joy of you receiving them. And now you get to be Santa with me and you get to give the presents to the young ones and give without needing to receive anything. And I think, again, it's what we want to make it mean. And so for me, I sort of said to Marley, like, we don't believe in it and we're not doing it, but, you know, we don't we don't believe he's going to come down the chimney, but there's magic. People believe in the magic and we can believe in the magic and we can believe in this idea of gift giving and giving to community and, you know, showing up in ways without needing to receive something back, you know, to go, well done, or you get this present, but more again about present with a T and, you know, less about that and more about just being physically together. Whereas Kiki, I suppose, I mean, I think she she knows he's not real, but she's much more of a believer, you know, like they were writing letters to the tooth fairy and there was a period of time where I was writing back and, you know, the other day I think they wrote a letter a couple of months ago and the tooth fairy hasn't written back. And 
so you know I sort of sit there and I go like yeah like we kind of have to tap into what feels good for us Mm -hmm. and right now while they're young and they're innocent there is beauty in letting them believe it in the magic of it if we're going to come out with some sort of like like with soul or like with marley and sort of go all right you know but like letting other people believe in it as well you know that we're not going around and sort of like you know upsetting other people and their beliefs but i think it really comes back to your family values and i think when people ask me that i always say you have to check in with what you believe and what you want you know what you want them to know about it yeah absolutely and there is there's there is magic uh, there is. and yeah I love that that was the same for us it's about you know giving gifts it's about being thoughtful about somebody and um, choosing something deliberately for them because you want to give something lovely to them yeah it's it's a it's a tricky one though but I think yeah again it just comes back to reflections and conversations in your family about how you want things to be as always yeah so as we're coming to the end of the conversation, is there anything that you else that you would like to share that we haven't spoken about? Uh, no, I think we have spoken about all the things that we had discussed at plus more things, which is usually what happens with us. But yeah, I think, you know, the invitation to people listening is to get curious and really connect with what what do you want it to mean? What do you want it to look like? What are you going to do when certain feelings, situations pop up you know can you bring in more connection all of those things I think are really where I kind of land with it for people who are feeling a little bit wobbly about what it might look like yeah absolutely and I think my invitation well I think it would be around just self-care what could you do each day just one thing each day that would be lovely for you it's just about you and tending to yourself in a way that's lovely Mm. so I would just be yeah inviting that I think And in terms of offerings and so on, we had our beautiful end of year circle last night that was just incredibly touching and gorgeous, wasn't it? Those women, oh my goodness, so amazing. I really just loved listening to them sharing. And that was a really powerful um, way to be reflecting back on the year and then to be creating some intentions for for what we all want for next year. And of course, we're going to be doing that ongoing from next year. We're going to be doing monthly circles, which is gorgeous. What, what else are you offering, Danny? Are you having some time off? Yeah, I think that right now um, I've still got a couple of sessions and, you know, have some some mothers that I'm supporting, but my circles have stopped for now until next year in February and Mother Gather, my local, like, community meet-up with babies and little ones isn't going to continue now until next year as well. Um, I think right now my offering is, yeah, it's just, you know, I'm here and I'm happy to support one-to-one, but I am going to take a little bit of time just to be with my family and just enjoy the season and enjoy the holiday and hopefully enjoy some sunshine. We've had a bit of weird weather here, storming and muggy and cold and raining, typical Victorian weather. But, yeah, just to be together and, yeah, just to spend that real quality time together. That's what I'm really looking forward to. So, yeah, I'm still here and still doing bits and bobs, but definitely pulling back. What mm. about you, Joss? Yeah, same, same. I've got some sessions, more sessions next week. I've just filled my final last available slot for the year and then I'm taking 10 days off basically and they'll be back on the 2nd, I think, of January or the 3rd of January or something. So, yeah, just having some downtime and switching off from it all but uh yeah excited and looking forward to some offerings for next year too so yeah 
Yeah, I'm excited for our circles. And, yeah, last night I didn't speak to that, but it was amazing. And, yeah, I just think it's so powerful to be together in circle with other people who are practising aware parenting. So I'm really looking forward to doing they'll be monthly and you'll be able to book in for a couple of months at a time and a beautiful booklet. We've got a self-reflection journal to go with it. So I think, yeah, I'm looking really looking forward to that. And our community continues to run. It runs the whole year. So, you know, for those those people in there, they get to that support and space to keep sharing and we have our live calls and all those sorts of things. So, yeah, that's really um, kind of it. I'm just, yeah, really grateful to you for the year. It's been another beautiful year and it's been a big year for both of us in lots of different ways and it's been amazing to be together in lots of different spaces and, you know, what I always love and we always say is we have such ease in whatever we choose to do together. It's like we get, you know, it's usually you says, I've got an idea and I go, oh, great, and we just kind of, oh, <laughs> lot, and then all of a sudden it's in the air and people come to it and it's amazing and so, yeah, I just honouring everything that you do in the world. It's just so beautiful to be in space with you and I feel so grateful to be in the podcast and the community and in circles and to, that we met each other this year again in real time <laughs> and we plan to do a, some sort of workshop somewhere next year. Yeah, that's um, exciting together in real real time as well so yeah just looking forward to doing lots more of that next year because it just it brings me so much joy and pleasure and just absolute yeah it really fills my heart with a lot of love so more of that please oh yeah me too Danny thank you those are beautiful words I love it too I really love it and I really love the sharing and the deepening in our understanding and our, our, our practice of and the nuances of aware parenting. And I really am so inspired by the way that you support your beautiful girls. And yes, lots more of that, please. Yay. Definitely. So thank you so much for making time. And for everybody listening, thank you so much for listening. If you've got topics that you would like Danny and I to talk about next year, please send us a message. We would love to make sure that these are really helpful conversations for you. And we wish you a very Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year and lots of quality downtime for you to do what you love and to bring some presence and connection to you and your family. Yeah, just biggest love and sending you all so much love. And thanks, Joss, for having me on again. Thank you for joining me on Aware Parenting Stories. I hope you enjoyed this episode. To find out more, please visit my website, www.awareparenting.com.au and follow me on social media at Aware Parenting with Joss. I wish you much connection and love on your parenting adventures. Mm-hmm.